Well, today I'm excited about starting a new message series called Life Lessons. Now this is going to be a very practical series that's going to speak to us at our present time, the things that we're dealing with. In this series, we're going to be going through the book of James in the New Testament. The book of James was written by James, the half-brother of Jesus, and a leader in the church at Jerusalem. Now, many of the letters in the New Testament, such as Corinthians, were written to a specific local church, in that case, to the church at Corinth. However, the book of James is a, is a general letter that is written to a wide audience of many believers in many different churches. Now, the book of James was written to encourage believers who are facing opposition and persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. And so James is a very practical book showing us how to put our faith into action even under difficult circumstances and in difficult situations. It's a book that will teach us some, I believe, very relevant life lessons that apply to each one of us. I also believe that our study of the book of James is, is very timely. We are facing unprecedented times right now in America. None of us has experienced a trial such as going through this ongoing pandemic in our lifetimes. Never before has there been such an unprecedented assault on law and order in our country. The current election is certainly the most divisive that we've seen in, in recent memory. And we are seeing powerful attacks on our freedom of speech and even our freedom of religion that we've never seen before. Now today our message is entitled, Dealing with Trials. So I don't want to sugarcoat the things that we are facing. These are serious trials that we are dealing with in August of 2020. The outcome of these trials will affect our lives, it will affect our country, it will affect our children, and even our grandchildren. Now, some people are tempted to deny the, the serious nature of what's going on and assume it's all going to just magically vanish and go away. Others respond to these trials by worrying, becoming fearful and anxious about the future. And yet others get angry. Some are angry at other people and some people are angry at God. Today we're going to learn what God has to say about how we as believers should face trials. And let me warn you, the way that God instructs us to face trials is not the way that comes to us naturally. And so it's going to be a challenge for every one of us. We're also going to learn the importance of listening to God's instruction and then putting it into practice. Now those are two different things. Knowing and believing God's word is essential, but the blessing comes only when we apply that knowledge, we apply God's wisdom to our lives and put it into action. So let's get started with James chapter 1. The first principle that we're going to learn today is to persevere in trials. Let's begin in verse 2, a very important verse in the book of James. It says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Let me read that again. It's, it's so important for the lesson this morning. Count it all joy my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. And so James starts off his, his letter with a strong instruction or command as to what we are to do. 
As we read through the entire book of James, we see it's filled with imperatives or commands. These are not suggestions, they're commands in the Word of God. And this very first verse tells us it's, it's not a question of if we're going to meet trials. The verse says when we meet trials. We are going to meet trials in our lives. The Holy Spirit is telling us that we're going to meet all different kinds of trials as we go through life. And when we meet those trials, what are we to do? Well, we are to count it all joy. Now, I can tell you from personal experience that my first impulse when facing a difficult situation or a trial is not to shout hallelujah. And maybe that doesn't happen with you either. So what does it mean to count it all joy? Well, the NLT, the New Living Translation, translates it as considered an opportunity for great joy. And so when we meet a trial, we ought to rejoice because God is going to use that trial in our lives to do something good, to do something great. And so what are trials good for? Well, James goes on to tell us in verse 3. He says, For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So now we begin to learn more about trials. A trial is something that tests our faith. What happens when you are tested? Well, we can all remember from school days, unless you're still in school, there are two basic results when you take a test. You either pass the test or you fail the test. And God wants us to pass the test that comes with a trial. He doesn't want us to fail. When one fails the test of a trial, our faith fails. We, we stop believing in God. And tragically, there are increased numbers of people who once believed, and they no longer believe because, they, because of some trial that they went through, and they failed the test of that trial. But when we pass the test, God's Word here tells us that it produces steadfastness in our lives. Now, the word in the Greek that's translated steadfastness is perhaps a little difficult to translate into English. Some translations call it patience. Others call it endurance. Yet others call it perseverance. And in the ESV that we're using this morning, it's translated steadfastness. But I think we get the idea of what the word means. As we learn to persevere in trials, we don't give up. We don't quit. We grow stronger then. We become more mature and our faith grows, as does our relationship with God. Now, how are we going to pass the test of trials that come into our lives? Well, we need God's help. And that's what James goes on to tell us in verse 5. He says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach. And it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. And so when we face trials, we are going to lack the wisdom to know what to do. Trials force us to make decisions. What to do, how to respond. We need God's wisdom when we face trials. And these verses tell us that we should ask God to give us the wisdom that we need. And it promises that God will give us the wisdom that we ask for to pass trials. We need God's wisdom to pass the test of these trials. But there is a condition on the promise that God will give us wisdom. 
And what is that condition? Well, when we ask God for wisdom, we must ask in faith. That means when we ask God for wisdom, we must believe that God has the wisdom we need. And secondly, that he will give it to us as we ask him. If we doubt, if we don't believe that God is going to give us what we ask for, then we won't receive any wisdom. And without God's wisdom, it's guaranteed we're going to fail the test. And when we fail the test, the trial then defeats us. It doesn't make us stronger. It makes us weaker. Rather than gaining the victory, we are defeated. James 1 verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And so there is a blessing when we persevere in a trial, when we pass the test. Now, I believe in this verse that James is talking about our entire lives as a trial, as a test. And those who persevere throughout the trials of life with God's wisdom pass the test, the test of life. And their reward is to receive the crown of life. What is that? That's eternal life at the end of our lives. God promises eternal life to those who love him and who demonstrate that love by persevering in their faith. We ought to persevere in trials. Now this morning, let's think for a minute about the trials that we face in life. A trial is something that is bigger or stronger than us. Something we don't know how to face. Oftentimes, trials are things that we've never faced before. Trials can be physical things like illnesses, injuries, or simply growing older. Trials can be unexpected things that happen to our jobs, to our finances, to our possessions. Trials can be difficult times in relationships with other people. And we could go on and on, but I think we all know and we understand and we can think of trials that we faced in the past and perhaps trials that we are facing today. We've already mentioned some of the unprecedented trials that all of us are facing right now. In the fall of, or August at least, 2020, it's still hot outside, isn't it? But enough of the trials and the problems. What are we supposed to do? Well, first of all, God calls us to rejoice. God is still in control. God wants to work good in our lives through these trials. And not only is God in control, He's not just throwing us out on our own. God has promised to give us the wisdom that we need to navigate through these trials. Ask Him for wisdom. Believe that He's going to give it to you. And He will. And when he gives us his wisdom, we need to follow the instruction of his wisdom and we'll go stronger in our faith as we learn to persevere in a particular trial. The next principle we're going to learn from James is to acknowledge God's goodness. Let's move on to verse 13 where James says, Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. Now in the Greek language, the word for trial and the word for temptation is the same word. And so with every trial, there comes a temptation. A temptation to not trust God in the midst of the trial. A temptation to not trust God for wisdom and strength to pass the test. A temptation to get mad or bitter at God for allowing a trial to come into our lives. Now this verse clearly tells us that God never tempts anyone to sin. Satan is the tempter. He seeks to use trials to turn us away from God. 
James tells us how temptations come in verse 14. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. So temptations come from the whispers of Satan who appeals to our own desires. Now we must remember that temptation is not sin. Even Jesus himself was tempted by Satan. Temptation becomes sin when we give into it. And those who continually give in to sin, who do not continue in faith, will end up not with the crown of life, but with eternal death. And James' point here is that we can't blame God or the devil for how we respond to trials. We are responsible for our own actions. Verse 16, James says, Be not deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Now these verses warn us against being deceived. The deception here would be to believe the lie of Satan that the trial or temptation that we are facing came from God himself. Now, God doesn't tempt us, nor does he send bad things into our lives. God only sends good and perfect gifts to us, and he never changes. Every good thing that anyone has in their life, whether a believer or an unbeliever, comes from God. The evil and wickedness that we see around us in our world does not come from God. It comes from the evil one, Satan. Now, why does James talk extensively about God's goodness? Because the temptation is when facing a trial, a difficult situation, the temptation is to blame God and stop believing in Him. But God is good. He gives good gifts. He's good all the time. And so this leads us to a common question that many people struggle with. If God is in control and He is good, why is there evil and bad things in our world? Now the simple answer is that God has chosen to allow man, and angels to have free will. Now we can't go into this in depth, but he gave the angels a choice at one point. And Satan and a third of the angels chose to rebel. God gave human beings a choice to either obey or rebel in the Garden of Eden. And Adam and Eve did what? They chose to disobey. They chose to rebel. And the end result of sin, wrong choices, by human beings and by angelic beings, the end result of sin and Satan is that they are the cause of all evil and violence in our world. The sin and evil is the root cause of the trials that come into our lives. But the amazing thing is that God has made a way for the trials in our lives to bring good. In fact, that good in strength, that good that he brings into our lives and the strength that comes by passing the test of those trials, ought to give us great joy, even when we're in the midst of a trial. And so I believe that James chapter 1 is God's word for us in the season that we are in, in our country today. I'd encourage you to read the chapter 1 of James multiple times. We've not gone over every verse. We have a few more to go yet this morning, this week. Let the word of God sink into your hearts. And when you're facing a trial, this is an awesome chapter to go back to. When you face trials, remember that God is good. Never question 
that God is good. Just follow his plan. Finally, James teaches us to hear and obey God's word. Let's move on down to verse 21. He says, therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. And so as human beings, the Bible tells us that we all have sinned. We all fall short of the glory of God. And so we are all contaminated with filthiness and wickedness that comes from sin. And this verse commands us to do two things. First of all, we are to put away the sin that tempts us rather than giving into it. And secondly, we are to humbly receive God's word. And says that that word saves us. That word brings us eternal life. Now, a proud person doesn't receive God's word. They think they don't need it. They think they have all the answers. That they can handle things on their own, but they're very wrong. Believing and receiving God's word is the only way to be saved. But that is not all that we must do. Verse 22 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. This verse gives us another warning about being deceived. In the last days, the Bible tells us, and I think we're seeing it with our very eyes, that deception is increasing at an alarming rate. Where does deception come from? Deception comes from believing lies and not the truth of God's word. And who is the author of lies? It's Satan himself. He is the one who has lied from the beginning. He lied in the temptation in the Garden of Eden and he lies to us today. Now, in this case, in these verses that we're looking at, be doers of the word and not hearers, only deceiving yourselves. The temptation, the deception is simple. The The deception is that if I hear God's word, I read it, I listen to it, I even understand God's word, then I will reap the benefit and I am blessed. But that's not true. Now, hearing God's word is essential. We need to hear God's word. We need to read God's word. We need to understand God's word. But the blessing comes only when we put it into practice, when we take action, when we do it. And that is the hardest part. Now, James goes on to illustrate the concept in the next verses in verse 23. He says, for anyone, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. And so the word of God is like a mirror. We look into a mirror to see what we look like To understand the true condition of our lives. In the natural, we look into a mirror. For what? We look into a mirror to fix our hair. If you're a man, to shave. If you're a woman, to put on makeup. In other words, we look at a mirror to fix something. To enhance our appearance. If we look into a mirror and see that there's dirt on our face. And we walk away and we don't wash the dirt off. Then nothing has been accomplished. And so when we look into God's word, it shows us where there is sin in our lives it shows us the area in our lives where we need to change either we need to stop doing something or we need to start doing something that we aren't doing God's word always calls us to change to become more and more like Jesus James 1 25 says but the one who looks into the perfect law that is the word of God the law of liberty and perseveres there's that word again being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts, 
he will be blessed in his doing. So we look into God's word to hear the Holy Spirit speak to us about how we are to live in our relationship with God. God's word always calls us to action. And when we put that word into practice, God's word here tells us that we are blessed. The blessing doesn't come simply from the hearing or the understanding. It comes with the obedience. Now, James summarizes what God calls us to do in the very last verse of chapter 1, verse 27, which says, Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. Now, God calls us, Jesus told us, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to help those who need the help that we can give. Orphans and widows are representative of people who are needy and they have difficulty in helping themselves. But all of us from time to time need others to help us. And so James is calling us not simply to think about ourselves, but to love our neighbor as ourselves. But that's not the only thing we are to do. Not only are we to love people, we are to love and stay in close relationship with God, our Heavenly Father. And how do we do that? By keeping ourselves unstained by the sin of the world. Sin hinders, sin damages our relationship with God. The world that's mentioned here is the sphere of Satan that seeks to tempt us and lure us away from God. Sin stains our lives, it stains our hearts, and it can only be cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. And so we must hear and obey God's word. And so this last point is, is a really a huge point. It's something that I struggle with, and probably many of us do as well. Many people simply have difficulty in reading the Bible each and every day as God's word directs. But we've learned that the blessing does not lie simply in the reading of the book in the reading of the Bible, in checking off a chapter or two for the day, although we should do that. The blessing comes when we find something in God's Word for that day to put into practice in our lives. The same should be true if we go to a small group Bible study. What are we going to apply to our lives in the next day, in the coming week? Or when we come to church on Sunday morning, we hear the message, we say, that was good, that was God's Word, but how is it going to change my life? The blessing comes when God shows us something, and he will as we look at his word. When he shows us something from his word that we can apply and do, putting into practice. I believe that every time we read the Bible, every time we hear a message, God has something he's speaking to us, something for us to change, something to, for us to believe, something for us to put into action. And so today we've learned about persevering and rejoicing in our trials. We've been encouraged to always acknowledge that God is good all the time. And finally, whether we're in a trial or not, we need to humbly hear God's word and then do it. Obey it. Put it into practice. And so what are you going to put into action from this morning's message? At the end of the study guide, there's a couple of lines that perhaps we've overlooked. It's been there quite often. I haven't talked about it. It's to write down what you intend to apply from the message in the coming week. Maybe today you want to simply circle one of the points and say, God is speaking to me or one of the scriptures. I need to put that into practice. And as we do that, that's how we grow in the midst of trials. Listening to God's word and then doing it. My prayer is that God would bless each one of us in our church 
as we grow together in following the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this morning I want to give you an opportunity to repent and become a believer or to recommit your life. If you've made a commitment in the past and you feel like you've wandered away from the Lord. To become a child of God, we need to admit that we've sinned, that we've done wrong things, that we've been following and giving in to the temptations of the evil one, whether we realized it or not. Secondly, we need to believe that Jesus died on the cross, that we might be forgiven. We repent, we turn away from our sins, and we ask for Jesus' forgiveness. And finally, we commit ourselves to following him as our Lord and Savior. So let's pray right now. I'd encourage you to pray along with me. Say, Father, today, I admit that I've sinned, I've done wrong things, and today I repent, I turn away from those sins, those lies that I've been following. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, that my sins might be forgiven. Please forgive me. Come into my life. I commit myself to following Jesus, who's risen from the dead as my Lord and Savior. For the rest of us who are believers, let's pray as well. Father, we thank you for this very practical teaching from the book of James. Our nation and we ourselves are in times of trial in this season of life. Forgive us for facing these trials with anxiety and fear. Today we choose to rejoice in the midst of things that are happening that you've allowed to come into our lives and in our, into our nation. And we don't rejoice in the bad things themselves, God, but we do rejoice that you are going to cause us to grow as we walk through those trials with you. Help our faith to grow stronger as the trials grow bigger. Today we ask for wisdom to make the right decisions for ourselves, for our families, for our work, for our church in this time of uncertainty. And we believe that you will answer our prayer, that you will give us the wisdom we ask for. And when you give us that wisdom, we commit to following your wisdom, to following your instruction. We acknowledge today that you are a good God all the time. And you are not the author of evil. Thank you for teaching us from your word today. We commit to putting that which you lay on our hearts this morning into practice this coming week. May you speak to us every day from your word and help us to do it. Thank you, God, for blessing us as we hear your word and we take action. Thank you for blessing our church as we follow you together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've made a commitment to Jesus Christ by watching this video or would like more information, I'd encourage you to connect with us via a link below this video. We'll pray for you. We'll offer you some helpful materials. You can find more information about Life Church on our website, Life Church St. Louis. Our doors are open. We have Sunday morning services at 10 a.m. and our facility at 15036 Clayton Road in Chesterfield. You're invited to attend if you live in the St. Louis area. And next Sunday, we're going to continue this message series, Life Lessons from the Book of James. We'll be looking at Chapter 2. Online donations to help us reach more people for Jesus are available at lifechurchstlouis.org slash give. And we pray that God would bless you and you would have a great week as you follow Jesus.